The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Markets, headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures lower this morning, along with European shares amid concern the resolve as central banks to continue their fight against inflation will tip the economy into recession. And we check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg. S&P futures down more than 1% on 54 points. Dow and NASDAQ futures also down more than 1%, with Dow futures down 412 points and NASDAQ futures down 121. 10-year Treasury down 1230 seconds, yield 3.49%, and the yield on the two-year at 4.25%. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Nathan. All right, Karen, thanks. We're coming up to 556 on Wall Street. It's time for our daily Bloomberg Law Brief, exploring legal issues in the news. And today we focus on a New York law that temporarily lifts the statute of limitations on civil sexual abuse and harassment claims. And it is expected to lead to a flood of lawsuits. Hundreds of alleged victims have sought legal advice in recent days. And companies are calling outside attorneys to prepare for potential claims. That's according to interviews with lawyers from across the country. Lawsuits have already been filed against former President Donald Trump, comedian Bill Cosby, and billionaire Leon Black over allegations they assaulted women decades ago, which their lawyers deny. For more, Bloomberg's June Grosso speaks with legal reporter Eric Larson. Can a plaintiff sue a company to hold them accountable for alleged abuse, even if the alleged abuser is deceased? Yes, in fact, that has already happened in the case of uh, Atlantic Records, part of Warner Music Group. Warner Music is being sued because the Atlantic Records founder allegedly decades ago, more than 40 years ago, sexually abused women. So now the company, you know, saying that they're looking into these allegations, interviewing people who may have been around back then, saying that many of the individuals who would have been witnesses are deceased or in their 80s or 90s. So clearly this case is a good illustration of how difficult it might be for some of these defendants to defend themselves. Notably, the suit against Bill Cosby, you know, it also named NBC Universal Media as a defendant because it aired the Cosby show in a different world, you know, two shows that Cosby starred in. So NBC Universal is accused of essentially turning a blind eye to Cosby's conduct for years, a similar claim made against Warner Music Group. Of course, both companies are expected to fight those very strongly in court. And a lot of these claims are expected to be settled before a lawsuit is even filed to avoid the publicity associated with it. So plaintiff lawyer's best chance is before they even file the suit. That's right. That's why a few of the lawyers I spoke to said that what we end up seeing in court, actual lawsuits that are filed, are really just going to be the tip of the iceberg, and that a lot of these claims are are going to be resolved before anything becomes public. And that, as these plaintiff lawyers know, you know, some of these claims may be so serious that a company will simply want to settle them just to keep them from becoming public, that they can use that as part of their settlement strategy. So I'm not sure if that's 
increases the amount of money that they get paid or whatnot. I'm sure that every settlement is going to be handled a little bit differently, but clearly the reputational damage is potentially significant for some of these employers, as you can imagine. That's Bloomberg legal reporter Eric Larson speaking with our June Grosso on this new New York law that temporarily lifts the statute of limitations on civil sexual abuse claims. You can catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg terminal, B-Law Go. Looking ahead to the market open, looks like more losses for a Friday. S&P futures down 51 points, Dow futures down 398, and NASDAQ futures are lower by 113 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 13.30 seconds. The yield 3.49% yield on the two-year, 4.25%. NYMEX crude's down 2.5%, now down a buck ninety at 74.21 a barrel. COMEX gold up two-tenths percent or $3 higher at 70.90.80 per ounce. Euro, 1.0625 against the dollar. The yen, 137.12. We'll get a check of the business headlines. All the news you need to start your day. Hour two of Bloomberg Daybreak starts right now. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning, along with European shares amid concern the resolve of central banks to continue their fight against inflation will tip the economy into recession. We check the markets all day long here at Bloomberg. S&P futures down 48 points or one and a quarter percent. Dow futures down 367 points or 1.1 percent. And Nasdaq futures down 112 points or 1 percent. The DAX in Germany is down about eight tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 13.30 seconds. Yield 3.49 percent. The yield on the two-year 4.25 percent. NYMEX crude oil is down 2.7 percent on $2.06 at $74.05 a barrel. COMEX gold up two tenths percent or $3.30 at $17.91 10 an ounce. The euro 1.0624 against the dollar. British pound 1.2165 and the yen's 137.06 and Bitcoin is down two and a quarter percent at $17,000. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Amy Morris with more on what's going on around the world. Amy. Thank you, Karen. Ukrainian authorities say Russia has launched a major missile attack on energy facilities and infrastructure. A Ukrainian Air Force spokesman says Russia today fired more than 60 missiles. A huge aquarium in the center of Berlin has burst, spilling more than 264,000 gallons of water and debris, causing a wave of destruction at the Sea Life tourist attraction. They're looking into the cause, but for now they're blaming freezing temperatures. In sports, the Caps, Bruins and Devils lose. The Rangers win the World Cup final between Argentina and France is Sunday. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris. This is Bloomberg Nathan. All right, Amy, thanks. It's 542 now on Wall Street. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. I'm Nathan Hager. That's Karen Moscow. And we've got some other stories making news this morning, so let's get right to them. Beijing's rapidly spreading COVID outbreak has turned the Chinese capital into a virtual ghost town. You've seen stores close, restaurants turn empty, residents staying home either because they have COVID or are afraid they'll catch it. While officials have abandoned efforts to track case numbers, anecdotal evidence suggests entire families and offices in Beijing have become infected in the span of just days. 
safe to say it could prove a difficult issue, to say the very least, for China's less developed health care system. Real issues there, Karen. Oh, indeed. All right, Nathan. Well, we turn to the markets now in Bank of America, which is saying that global equity funds saw big inflows ahead of this week's FOMC and ECB rate hikes. Then hawkish comments triggered a sharp sell-off in equities. Strategists led by Michael Hartnett say a policy mistake by central banks could result in a hard economic landing next year. Well, meantime, the uh, largest U.S. steelmaker is warning its shareholders that recession concerns could affect demand. Nucor says its steel mills business will report considerably lower earnings in the fourth quarter due to lower shipments. And it also notes average selling prices are down. Well, Nathan, Amazon is making more moves in the premium video space. It's partnering with Games Workshop Group to develop film and television productions, with initial work focusing on the Warhammer 40,000 universe. Warhammer 40K, as it's known by fans, it's a franchise that already includes popular tabletop games, over 300 novels, and has licensed its content for several successful video games. Warhammer 40K, Nathan. Yeah, I, I guess radar. I'm going to have to uh, catch up with see if my kids know anything about that. <laughs> I am lost when it yes. comes to video games. All right, let's get right back to this market. Uh, check in now with uh, Tracy McMillian, head of global asset allocation strategy at Wells Fargo. This is no game, Tracy, as we uh, watch this sell-off continue on the back of really hawkish rhetoric from central banks. What is this market getting set for? Yeah, so definitely markets are keying off the Fed's latest policy decision and, you know, add to that the, the ECB's hawkish comments uh, yesterday. And, you know, markets are, are really starting to, um, I guess, recognize the reality of a, a recession, a recession probably here in the U.S. and a global recession and what that means and, you know, the unemployment, the earnings contraction that comes with that. So, you know, what what markets are now looking at is, is that reality, and they don't typically bottom until the central banks are, are finished tightening. So, you know, we won't necessarily see a, a recovery as long as we're, we're um we have restrictive monetary policy. So, you know, um, we think that markets are probably in for more choppiness, um, for a, a difficult ride as we move into 2023. More choppiness or a downward trajectory? You say that the market doesn't hit bottom until after a recession. What kind of bottom could we be looking for here? Yeah, so um, today uh, we have a um, a price target at the end of 2023 of 4,400 on the S&P 500. And so, you know, from where we are today, that's about 14% higher. But we think that markets could go down to the, the mid to lower 3,000s. And that's where we think that the risk-reward tradeoff is going to be much more attractive at 3,500 for example, to our um, year-end target, that's about 25% upside. So we'd be looking for those opportunities around the mid-3,000s. If we get down to the lower 3,000s, that's probably another good opportunity to put cash to work. 
And uh, we're just shy of 3,900 on the S&P 500 right now for those keeping score. Where do you see those potentials, those pockets for opportunity heading into the new year, Tracy? Yeah, so heading into the new year, we're going to continue to be defensive. So that means U.S. assets over international assets. And we like uh, large-cap companies over mid-cap companies. Uh, and small cap companies. And we also like um, the sectors that have higher quality earnings. So that's for us, um, uh, information technology, energy. We like healthcare. Uh, we stay away from consumer discretionary and REITs that are more economically sensitive. And within fixed income, um, we like the short-term uh, part of the curve because of those higher rates and the optionality that it provides. Um, and we like long-term because we are seeing these rates that are higher than they've been, you know, over the course of the last decade. Are you looking for further earnings revision? Setting into this conversation, we just noted that Nucor is uh, predicting considerably lower earnings, and we've had this sort of parade of companies forecasting further downward revisions for earnings. Is that something that's uh, part of the theme for you in 2023? Yeah, it definitely is. We're, we're looking for earnings estimates to come down uh, quite a bit from, from where they are today. Um, our earnings estimate on the S&P 500 is, is uh, 205. And so that is significantly below uh, the 215 that um, is the top line estimate for analysts and significantly below uh, the bottoms up estimates, which are still around 230, 235. So in our last minute here, Tracy, uh, what's the possibility <laughs> that, that we could see a Santa rally at the end of this year? Is, is that just out the window at this point? Well, I guess anything's possible, especially with um, very thin trading here at the end of the year. Um, any directionality can push markets um, significantly higher or significantly lower. Um, but I'd say that, you know, given the news that we've gotten over the, the past couple of days, we, we just really have gotten nothing to support a bull case. So um, a, a Santa rally is, is probably unlikely this year. All right. Thanks, as always. Tracy McMillian, see how things go when uh, we do have the possibility for yet more volatility, uh, especially today as a lot of these uh, options contracts come due in triple witching. Tracy McMillian, head of global asset allocation strategy at Wells Fargo with us this morning as we watch the selling continue around the world. S&P futures right now are down 53 points. Dow futures down 405. NASDAQ futures are lower by 125 points. The DAX in Germany down just about 1%. The CAC in Paris is lower by one and a quarter percent. So it's a sell-off across the board in risk assets. Ten-year Treasury is down 13, 30 seconds. Yield 3.49%. Yield on the two-year right now, 4.25%. And NYMEX crude is lower as well, down 2.6%, trading at $74.16 a barrel. Much more to come. Stay with us. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
And good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. And futures are falling this morning. We check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg Radio with S&P Futures. Uh, down 1.3% on 51 points this morning. Dow futures down 1.2% or 387 points. And NASDAQ futures are falling 1.1% or 127 points. Ten-year Treasury down 12.30 seconds, yield 3.49%. The yield on the two-year, 4.25%. NYMEX crude oil is down 2.7% or $2.02 at $74.09 a barrel. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Amy Morris with more on what's going on around the world. Amy, good morning. Thank you, Karen. Good morning. The White House is encouraging Americans to get their updated COVID-19 vaccine to prevent the spread of the virus over the winter. White House COVID-19 response coordinator Dr. Ashish Jha says COVID cases and hospitalizations are on the rise across the country. Confidential data of about 112,000 taxpayers inadvertently published by the IRS over the summer was mistakenly published again in late November, including names and contact information. In sports, the Caps, Bruins, and Devils lose. The Rangers win. The World Cup final between Argentina and France is set for Sunday. Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Amy. It's 523 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. On the morning, we're talking markets. It has been quite the week for the S&P 500. Sharp gains and losses tied to inflation data and the Fed decision. Now let's look at the path ahead with Bridgewater Associates Co-Chief Investment Officer Greg Jensen. He says to expect a downturn in the U.S. and that it will last longer than previous recessions. Greg Jensen's worried the Fed may be over-tightening. Let's hear what he had to say in a conversation with Bloomberg's Guy Johnson and Alex Steele. If China reopens successfully, how much of a counterweight is that to the downdraft you're talking about in Western markets? Well, in some ways, it's helpful. Into certain countries, it'll certainly be helpful. Um, and um, and we do think, while the timing on that's unknown, it, it'll it'll be beneficial. Although it's worth noting that China did not do the type of balance sheet actions that U.S. European policymakers did, in the sense that um, Chinese small and medium businesses are coming out of this with much worse balance sheets than they had. You've shut down these businesses. You've allowed them not to default on their debt, but you haven't forgiven the debt that's been piled up just to live while these businesses have been shut down. So you come out with much bigger overhang in China. But the other point I make is, as China opens, this is not a great thing for the U.S. For the US and Europe. China has been a blessing, in a sense, to the U.S. and European economies because it's been such a disinflationary force into a global inflation. China opening and the effect that's going to have on commodity prices and competing uh, for raw, raw materials in the world, while the U.S. and Europe are entering recession, will probably make the central banking dilemma worse and potentially draw down, particularly the countries that don't benefit as much from Chinese growth, um, draw down those economies while China picks up. So this is not a great thing uh, for the European and U.S. economies, particularly the countries that don't have a tremendous amount of exports to mm-hmm. China and and have monetary policy that is you know, has very significant inflation problems to begin with. Greg, you're seriously bumming me out. I want to go under my bed with soup cans and gold bars. So tell me where I'm supposed to go hide out in this. Do I sit in cash for the next few years? Well, I think first off, cash at, you know, at these levels are, is, is competitive. You know, that's going to be one of the dilemmas, right? So this year, you saw it as the interest rates changed a lot, that the change had a big effect. Now the bigger deal is going to be the level difference, right? The yield on cash is competitive with 
the yield in equity markets with obviously the yield in bond markets. So I do think you're going to see more people draw into cash and it's not terrible at, at those levels. It's a, it's a pretty reasonable choice. Secondly, um, I do think we're at a turning point where the growth story is going to be the bigger deal. So while we do think inflation for a variety of reasons will lag and be stickier, more of a problem. And while the recent inflation reports are no big surprise, you're going to get probably a mix of inflation reports going forward. And, um, and so where do you hide? I mean, we do think inflation index bonds are attractive. Long-term inflation has not been priced into markets. And if the economy weakens a lot, real yields will need to fall. So we think that's an area that's that's reasonable. And some of the emerging markets that haven't had the inflation problem, particularly that can benefit from the tailwind uh, from China as they, they reopen, those are the types of things where they're decent opportunities. But overall, it's not great out there. And cash is not a terrible thing. Assets don't always go up, even though we've had that – um, you know, we've had that feeling over the last yep. decade. That's Bridgewater Associates Co-Chief Investment Officer Greg Jensen speaking with Bloomberg's Guy Johnson and Alex Steele. You can catch more of that interview on Bloomberg.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal. Assets are moving lower this morning. We have S&P futures down 51 points or one and a third percent. Dow futures are lower by 395 points. That's a decline of 1.2 percent. NASDAQ futures are lower by 1.1 percent or 125 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 13, 30 seconds, yield 3.49 percent. We'll get this morning's top stories, local headlines, and a fuller check of markets straight ahead. First, let's get you your Bloomberg weekend weather forecast. Rainy, breezy day across the tri-state area. We'll have temperatures between 45 and 50 this afternoon. The rain ends as a few showers during the evening. It'll start to clear overnight. Lows near 35 in town, 20s for the suburbs. Sunshine and breezy tomorrow. Highs ranging from 40 to 45. It'll be mostly sunny, colder Sunday with a high of 35 to near 40. I'm Rob Carolyn with your three-day forecast on Bloomberg 1130. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And it is coming up to 530 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by SEI. Imagine your asset management firm's operational infrastructure as a competitive advantage. Let SEI show you how at SEIC.com slash IMS. And we are nearly four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. U.S. futures are lower as concerns linger over central bank tightening. Only home builders, health care, and oil and gas companies posted gains in yesterday's session. And the energy sector could be poised for more outsized returns in the coming year. That's the view from Goldman Sachs headed to commodity research, Jeff Curry. You had 42% returns in 2021. You know, so far we're headed towards somewhere around 23, 24% returns in, in uh, 2022. So this is a continuation of the strong returns that we've been seeing over the last several years. Jeff Curry with Goldman Sachs believes commodities could be the best-performing asset class next year. Well, global stocks, Karen, are headed for a weekly slide as the Fed, the Bank of England, and the European Central Bank all dash hopes for more dovish policy. Megan Green, global chief economist at Kroll Institute, says despite the hawkish tone, inflation could prove sticky. 
I think the Fed is really concerned that it will be stickier than the markets seem to be pricing in, and I, I think that's reasonable. The big question is why the Fed didn't think that three months ago with their previous um, economic projections, and, and the Fed doesn't really clarify that. Megan Green with Kroll Institute spoke on Bloomberg's Balance of Power with David Weston. You can catch it weekdays, noon Eastern, on Bloomberg Radio and Television. Well, turning to politics now, Nathan, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer are saying President Biden should run for re-election in 2024. The support pushes back against some Democrats, urging the party to elevate a younger generation of leaders. And staying in D.C., Congress is working on two bills to limit or ban the use of TikTok. Florida Senator Marco Rubio's bill would totally ban the social media app. He is very concerned about China's access to users' private information. Well, turning to Twitter now, Nathan, Elon Musk is making moves again to regulate content on the platform. Twitter is suspending the accounts of several journalists. Bloomberg's Steve Rappaport joins us live with that story. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. Elon Musk suspended reporters from several outlets for posting real-time locations of his private jet, though tracking planes is available through public flight data. Musk says the accounts violated Twitter's policy on doxing, a term used for exposing private information about someone to subject them to harassment. Musk tweeted reporters received a seven-day timeout, adding, some time away from Twitter is good for the soul. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Steve, thanks. S&P futures down 52 points. Dow futures down 399 now. NASDAQ futures are lower by 125 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 13, 30 seconds, yield 3.49%. NYMEX crudes down 2.6% at 74.13 a barrel. The euro is at 1.0625 against the dollar. Local headlines and a check of sports up next. This is Bloomberg. It's 5.31 on Wall Street, and Amy Morris has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Amy. Good morning, Nathan. Connecticut reporting its first pediatric death of the flu season. Health officials say a child under the age of nine has passed away in New Haven County. Officials are urging everyone over the age of six months old to get a flu shot as soon as possible. This as health officials are worried about a COVID surge emerging in New York City. Epidemiologist Eric Feigelding tells ABC masking is really only part of it. Masking is only one element of the total strategy to mitigate against COVID. There's also testing, which the White House has just announced um, free testing um, kits mailed to every address in America. Cases and hospitalizations are on the rise after the Thanksgiving gatherings. The Senate passed a funding bill to keep the federal government operating for one more week. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says this gives lawmakers a little more time to pass a year-long spending bill before they have to leave for their holiday break. Next week, hopefully, we'll finish the job passing a package that will keep the government fully funded into next fall. The new deadline is December 23rd. A woman from Edison, New Jersey, is among four people charged with providing financial assistance to Islamic State. Seema Rahman is charged with providing material support to a foreign terrorist organization. Authorities say she and three others used cryptocurrency, GoFundMe, and PayPal to raise what they call blood money. Legislation prompted by Gabby Petito's murder is waiting for President Biden's signature. Parents of the New York native are backing the Help Find the Missing Act, which requires information on missing people to be entered into the FBI's internal database, then shared with the Department of Justice. Under state law, New York is already required to share information on the missing, but New Jersey and Connecticut are not. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thanks, Amy. 
5.33 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. All right, Nathan. So many teams have been shelling out so much money, and the Yankees did commit $360 million, but they already had Aaron Judge. The Yanks had not added anyone of real significance, and now they have. Carlos Rodon's ERA each of the last two seasons was under three. 30-year-old lefty comes to the Yanks with a six-year, $162 million deal. Redon wants the fourth overall pick of the 2014 draft by the White Sox. Spent this past season with the Giants. He could be facing them in his Yankee debut. That's who the Yanks open the 2023 season against. Knicks and Rangers have both now won five games in a row. Knicks bring that streak into a game tonight in Chicago where they won in overtime just two nights ago. Rangers last night beat Toronto 3-1 at the Garden in three of the five wins in the streak. Rangers allowed only one goal. As for the Devils, they went a span of over seven weeks, losing only three times. They've now dropped four games in the past week. Beaten by Philadelphia 2-1, to one, even though the Devils outshot the Flyers 49-24. to 24. Brock Purdy, the NFL's only undefeated quarterback, last player taken in the draft. He's gone from third string to first. His first ever road game, a 21-13 49er victory at Seattle. That's the Niners' seventh win in a row. They clinched the NFC West. During the win streak, they're allowing only 11 points a game. Seahawks' slump continues. That helps the Giants in their quest to make the playoffs. There's an NFL triple header tomorrow and then Sunday. Jets home for Red Hot Detroit. Sunday night, the Giants visit Washington. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John Stashauer, thank you for that. The Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model You've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. 535 on Wall Street. Want to keep you up to date on what's happening on the roads. There's a bad crash. Northbound New Jersey Turnpike ahead of exit 13. Several lanes closed. This is because there was a deadly accident involving a tanker fuel truck. So expect significant delays. Again, northbound Turnpike before exit 13. It's now time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. The state of New York is banning pet stores from selling dogs, cats, and rabbits. A new law taking effect at the end of 2024 is meant to prevent the sale of animals raised by commercial breeders accused of keeping them in inhumane conditions. A group of apartments at Mercedes House, a luxury residential and retail complex on Manhattan's west side, is in contract to sell for a little more than $100 million. Sources tell Bloomberg Empire Capital Holdings is buying the 162 rental units. Invesco acquired the units years ago for $170 million. A New York-based developer known for luxury apartment complexes and formerly owning the Hotel Chelsea is betting on Miami's recent boom. Chatreet Group is expanding its Miami presence as the company seeks to start sales next year at a 378-unit condominium tower in that city. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. It's coming up to 537 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For all the acrimony surrounding immigration, Americans generally support two goals, giving undocumented immigrants brought to the U.S. as children a pathway to legal status, and securing the border. With only days left in the current Congress, lawmakers have an opportunity to deliver a breakthrough on both priorities. A proposal by Senators Tom Tillis and Kirsten Sinema would provide a path to citizenship for some 2 million undocumented immigrants known as Dreamers, who've lived in the U.S. for much of their lives. It would also extend a rule that allows for the expedited removal of border crossers for at least a year. The framework produces solid wins for each party. 
At the same time, neither side gets everything it wants. That's the sign of a good compromise, and Congress should get it done. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. We're coming up to uh, 538 on Wall Street now. S&P futures are down 48 points. Dow futures down 371 and NASDAQ futures on the decline by 113 points. We're going to get much more on this market sell-off straight ahead. Are investors pricing in a threat of recession? Tracy McMillian, head of global asset at Wells Fargo, joins us next. This is Bloomberg. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Workers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, December 16th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Uncertainty in markets over Fed tightening concerns. Democratic leaders back a Biden run in 2024. A crackdown on TikTok gained steam in Congress. And Twitter suspends some accounts covering Elon Musk. I'm Amy Morris. New York City is cracking down on unlicensed cannabis products, while the state is prohibiting pet stores from selling cats and dogs. I'm John Stanshower in sports. The Yankees have signed free agent pitcher Carlos Redon. The Rangers won. The Devils lost. The 49ers won in Seattle. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are falling this morning. We check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg Radio. And S&P futures are down about 42 points this morning. Dow futures down 315. That's down about nine-tenths of a percent. NASDAQ futures down about 1% or 109 points. The DAX in Germany is down seven-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 10.30 seconds. Yield 3.48%. And the yield on the two-year, 4.25%. Nathan. Karen, this morning's drop in futures comes with concern over central bank tightening. The S&P slid 2.5% yesterday. Only home builders held Healthcare and oil and gas companies posted gains. The commodity space could be set up for more gains in the new year. That's the view from Goldman Sachs head of commodity research, Jeff Curry. What happens when China, the largest commodity consumer in the world, the largest oil importer in the world, begins to rebound significantly in the first part of next year? It's going to tighten all of these markets tremendously and put a lot of upward pressure on prices. And Jeff Curry of Goldman Sachs thinks commodities will be the best performing asset class of 2023. Global stocks, meantime, Nathan, are headed for a weekly slide as the Fed, Bank of England, and European Central Bank dash hopes for more dovish policy. Megan Green, global chief economist at Kroll Institute, says central banks and markets seem to be working against each other. The Fed is effectively saying we're really serious, guys, to the markets, and the markets keep uh, trying to call their bluff, I think both hoping that inflation will come down faster, but also expecting a recession at some point in the middle of the year and questioning how strong the Fed's resolve really is to continue keeping policy tight. 
Megan Green with Kroll Institute made the comments on Bloomberg's balance of power with David Weston. Catch the show weekdays at noon Eastern on Bloomberg Radio and Television. Well, in Asia overnight, Karen, the market sentiment was risk off as well in reaction to the week's central bank moves. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong. Asian stocks traded mixed to lower as investors wrestled with hawkish central banks. Shares in Hong Kong and mainland China reversed early losses, while U.S. futures were relatively stable. The threat of U.S. delisting eased for about 200 companies from Hong Kong and China, and that aided sentiment. And China pledged to implement new measures for the property sector. Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Brian, thanks. Well, turning to politics now, top Democrats in Congress are backing Joe Biden in 2024. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer both tell CNN that President Biden should run for re-election, even as some Democrats urge the party to elevate a younger generation of leaders. He's a person with a great vision for our country. He's been involved for a long time, so he has great knowledge of the issues and the challenges we face. In an interview on CNN, Pelosi said Biden has been a great president, and Schumer added he'd support Biden all the way. Staying in D.C., Karen, Congress appears to be getting impatient with security concerns over China's influence on TikTok. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has more on that story. Congress is working on two bills that would limit or ban the use of TikTok in the U.S. The first is the one that passed the Senate this week, banning the use of the platform on government-owned mobile phones. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says she doesn't know if the House can get to it this session. The second is Marco Rubio's bill that would totally ban the website. Rubio says he is very concerned about China's control and access to users' private information. The move to do something has definitely picked up steam. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thanks. Well, turning to Twitter now, Elon Musk is making moves again to regulate content on the platform. Twitter is now suspending the accounts of several journalists. Bloomberg Steve Rappaport joins us live with that story. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. People in the news business made the news when Twitter blocked accounts of reporters from the New York Times, the Washington Post, and other outlets. Elon Musk says they were denied access for tracking private jets, including his. Musk described sharing that information as basically assassination coordinates, even though his jet can be tracked by using publicly available flight data. The Twitter boss then conducted a poll asking users when he should reinstate those accounts who disclosed his exact location, the majority voting to remove the bans immediately. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thanks. We have more news from one of Elon Musk's other companies, Tesla. A day after he sold more shares, Tesla announced it's ramping up SUV production at its factory in Austin, Texas. That story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. It's a sign that the electric car maker is making up for lost time at the money-losing plant. Tesla shared the new production number in a tweet. The milestone comes a week after Bloomberg News reported that CEO Elon Musk had asked the head of the company's China division to get the Austin factory up to speed. Extrapolated out over a year, that production rate would get Tesla to about 156,000 vehicles, which is still short of the annual target of 250,000 that the company promoted in its third quarter letter to shareholders. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. 
All right, Charlie, thank you. Well, more news out of the Bahamas on disgraced FTX founder Sam Bankman freed after a judge denied a request for bail. The former CEO made a new bail application before the Bahamas Supreme Court. That's according to Reuters. Local media reports say the bail application is set to be heard in mid-January. And futures are falling this morning. S&P futures down 1%, down 41 points. Dow futures are down 300 points or nine-tenths of a percent. And NASDAQ futures down 103 points or also nine-tenths of a percent. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports, and this is Bloomberg. Thank you, Karen. It is uh, 42 degrees, rainy in Central Park. We expect the rain to continue through the day. It's going to be breezy with highs near 50 degrees. It'll turn partly cloudy overnight, though, as the rain ends as showers, lows in in the mid-30s. Time now to take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world. For that, we are joined by Bloomberg's Amy Morris. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Nathan. New York City cracking down on illegal unlicensed cannabis products. Authorities have seized more than 100,000 items worth more than $4 million in an effort to clear the way for licensed vendors as the state tries to legalize and tax the marijuana market. COVID cases, hospitalizations and deaths are all on the rise after Thanksgiving gatherings. Epidemiologist Eric Fengelding tells ABC that the biggest jump is in New York City. New York City is seeing the fastest surge of cases. They're not just high transmission, but they're all uh, they're also at high community levels and wastewater surging also in New York City. Dr. Feigelding recommends you wear a mask on public transit or when you're in public. The Senate has passed a one-week government funding bill intended to avert a Saturday shutdown. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says the extension will let lawmakers finish negotiations for next year's spending. No drama. No gridlock, no government shutdown this week. It's a win for the American people. The bill gives negotiators until December 23rd to hash out agreements on the roughly $1.7 trillion fiscal 2023 spending package. The state of New York is banning pet stores from selling dogs, cats, and rabbits. Pet stores fought against this bill, arguing it would effectively put them out of business. The New York Times reports the aim is to stop the so-called puppy mill pipeline. The ban takes effect at the end of 2024. As the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit comes to a close, Secretary of State Antony Blinken reaffirmed the U.S. commitment to providing aid for African nations impacted by famine and war. Much of this assistance has gone to African countries, which have been disproportionately impacted by the drivers of hunger, COVID, climate, and conflict, and by President Putin's war in Ukraine, which has made a serious crisis much worse. Lincoln says the United States has provided more than $11 billion in the past year to address global hunger and improve nutrition. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Amy, thanks. Time out for our Bloomberg Sports Update, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Good morning, John Stancho. Good morning, Nathan. The Yankees have now checked off the first two items on their off-season to-do list. Number one, keep Aaron Judge. Number two was add a quality starting pitcher, and they've now done that with the addition of Carlos Rodon. 30-year-old lefty, gets a six-year deal. 162 million. He's been an all-star twice the last two seasons. First with the White Sox and this past one with the Giants. His ERA was under three. Next on the Yankee shopping list could be an outfielder. At the Garden.
Garden Rangers scored once in each period. The last two by Jimmy VC. They made it five wins in a row. 3-1 over Toronto and Newark. The Devils got an early goal from Jack Hughes, his 16th. But Philadelphia got 48 saves from Carter Hart. And the Flyers won 2-1. to one. That's the Devils' fourth loss in a row. The Knicks, who won Wednesday at Chicago, play there again tonight. Knicks have won their last five. Nets are winners of four straight, eight of nine. And they're in Toronto. Steph Curry won't play for Golden State in Philadelphia. He's going to miss a few weeks with an injured shoulder. And with him, the Warriors are under 500. 49ers stay red hot. Their seventh win in a row. It came in Seattle. Looks right. Comes left. Throws down the sideline. Wide open. George Kittle. 30. 20. Cuts inside. 10. Cuts inside again. Touchdown. San Francisco. That's KNBR 54-yarder. Second of two touchdown hookups between the rookie Brock Purdy and George Kittle. The Niners won 21-13. They've clinched the NFC West. Seahawks have lost 4-5. of That helps the Giants, who are in contention with Seattle for the last two NFC playoff spots. Washington part of that battle. Giants go there on Sunday night. John Stashia, our Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thank you. And Bloomberg Sports was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. On the road this morning, be on the lookout for a bad crash. Northbound New Jersey Turnpike just before exit 13. We're hearing a number of lanes are closed. It's because of a deadly accident involving a tanker fuel truck. So if you're headed that way, expect significant delays. Again, it's on the northbound turnpike ahead of exit 13 in New Jersey. Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. Want to get right to this market now as we end a very volatile week following some hawkish rhetoric from central banks around the world. We are joined live this morning by Jeffrey Yu, senior strategist at BNY Mellon. Jeff, it's good to speak with you this morning. Is this a market that's starting to come to grips with the idea that central banks mean what they say when they say that rates are going to stay higher for longer? Uh, well, it's about time too, right? Uh, this has been within our expectations, you know, throughout, you know, in our year ahead, we uh, highlighted uh, that uh, the Fed's path would be um, high, not extremely high, but high as in 5% at least, um, but for longer. I'm stressing the for longer side of things um, because um, the Fed wants real rates um, higher. Uh, and um, if inflation is going to be stubborn, you know, then rate, the real rates you know, cannot uh, you know, come off uh, um, uh, with uh, just you know, relying on the non-nominal side um, alone, right? So you need to um, still push the envelope on the nominal side. Uh, and but with the ECB, and, and I was saying, they say the economy is in a better place. Um, you know, demand is firm, you know, both on the domestic side of things, and uh, you know, from uh, the uh, international you know, push, especially if China reopens, you know, that benefits the eurozone as well. So if the inflation risks to the upside, uh, then you know, why not keep rates them higher for longer? And I think the ECB markets adjusting higher terminal rates as well. You know, that was something that's unexpected, and would also highlight uh, wait three months or four months, and uh, the BOJ might join the fray as well. So is recession fear replacing inflation fear as the bigger risk for this market? On the contrary, right, and uh, this point is really, really clear here. I think central banks are actually more hawkish because they are less worried about recession. Markets need to get their sequencing right. It's because 
economies have been so resilient, such that central banks are willing to push the envelopes a bit. Right? So central banks have said you know, in the past you know, that some pain is needed, you know, of course, um, but you know, they're not going to destroy the economy or anything you know, like that. It's just in short, there's a lid on demand. But because in the U.S. side, the labor market's strong, and in Eurozone, we've had strong fiscal support, um, that demand um, easing has not come at strong enough a pace. Uh, so, you know, central banks feel comfortable pushing things forward a bit. I mean, even the Bank of England, for example, and I think they're making a bit of a policy error here. And it's, um, they're pointing to the fact that demand has been a bit more resilient than expected. And looking at the data today, you know, probably there's less of a case in the UK compared to the Eurozone and in the US. Um, but it's the fact that economies are stronger than expected, which is allowing central banks to do what they're doing, rather than suddenly thinking, oh, central banks are pushing for a recession. You know, the sequencing is completely so how do you read the uh, new summary of economic predictions from the Federal Reserve then? They're calling for higher unemployment into the next year or so. Is, is that uh, a more of a rhetorical move by the Federal Reserve or could we see uh, the labor market start to crack? Um, so I uh, don't want to be overdramatic about this, um, but the labor market um, growth is going to slow, right? So we need to look at the first derivative you know, versus the second derivative, right? Because standards are so high right now, because the labor market has been hot in many economies around the world, right? When things begin to slow, that's what we're looking for, that inflection point when growth starts to slow, not cracking, not suddenly unemployment, you know, rising aggressively or anything like that. So first you go employment, uh, so um, uh, uh, employment growth slows, and then maybe unemployment is going to start to rise. But that's a natural progression of uh, the slowdown that's needed. That is um, part of the cycle. So again, going back to my first point, you know, that so some pain, so to speak, you know, which in Chair Powell and others and have them highlighted, Governor Bailey has highlighted as well, uh, that natural part of the process where um, the uh, labor market is less hot and then inflation comes back to target. But as the dot plots have indicated, and you need to be consistent here, once uh, we get labor market down towards normalized levels, then you no longer need restrictive rates, right? Then rates can start to come down, right? It's just we're not there yet. Uh, uh, and this new regime we're in, I just still think the markets are still getting used to um, you know, after uh, over a decade of you know, relatively loose monetary policy. So in our last minute here, Jeff, what is the trajectory for markets into the new year with uh, more central bank tightening to come? Um, so, you know, markets um, are going to be uh, mixed. Um, so a lot of uh, will hinge on, um, so, you know, where central banks end up, of course. Uh, so, you know, that's where we start on the defensive note. You know, the war is going to play a role, but also, you know, China reopening is going to play a role as well. And, uh, and I think on that note, a lot of equity markets globally, you know, could benefit in Asia, you know, in Europe and uh, with the services sector and also in the industrial sector in the U.S. on the margins. You know, miners, for example, you know, they certainly can benefit. We've had reports today of China starting to purchase some, you know, iron ore and bulk as well. So those things um, could be positive. Uh, central banks will start lean against it, um, but I don't think they're going to crack the economy or crash the labor market or anything like that. So difficult, you know, but because positioning is so light, there will be opportunities out there. Thanks so much for this, Jeff. Great, as always, to get your thoughts. Jeffrey Mellon, or Jeffrey you, I should say, works for BNY Mellon as a senior strategist. Again, thanks, Jeff, for joining us here this morning on Bloomberg Daybreak as we continue to watch markets move lower. S&P futures now down 1.2%, a drop of 47 points. Dow futures are lower by 356 points. That's a decline of 1.1%. NASDAQ futures down 1% or 115 points. This is Bloomberg. 
From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.